This episode contains massive spoilers for WandaVision, the Disney Plus Marvel show. It also contains spoilers for the rest of the MCU. Listen with caution. Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participant's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Stomping Jen. What's my new name? I'll tell people that in a moment. Oh, okay. But we are here this evening. Yeah. Recording to do a special episode. Oh, I love special episodes. A spectacular. That's what we call our special episodes. Spectacular, spectacular. This is the WandaVision spectacular. Woohoo. And we are going to be discussing what? Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? <laughs> what will we be discussing? WandaVision. Which is what? A TV show. Right. The Disney TV show, WandaVision. And we have a whole host of special guests that we will be introducing after the intro. Sweet. Good? Yes. Let's do it. Let's go. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Stomping Jen. I'm not supposed to be stomping You are Jen. about to get your new identity. Okay. From henceforth, yeah. for the WandaVision podcast, you are going to be known as Scarlet Jen. And joining us this evening to talk... Wait, what's your secret identity? Thank you, Stomping. I mean, Scarlet Jen. (laughs) This is already going well. I've got a (laughs) list of 10 names I have to remember. Oh, goodness. My name will be Sawclops. Sawclops. Yes, after the X-Men character, Cyclops. Got it. Get it? Instead of Cyclops, I'm Mm going to be Sawclops. Got it. And also joining us... This evening, Scarlet Jen is a returning guest, Space Unicorn. Say hello, Space Unicorn. Hello, Space Unicorn. That's for humor. Good job. <laughs> All right. Are you excited to talk about WandaVision? Um, for like two questions, but sure. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get to you in a moment. Okay. Yep. Let's say hello to our other guests. Let's start with our guest, Night Scrawler. Say hello, Night Scrawler. Hello. Is there anything you want is there anything you want to reveal about yourself, Night Scrawler? I know we're all on here using our secret superhero identities. Oh, that I want to reveal. Uh, you can be mysterious. You can remain a mystery to us all. That's fine. 
yeah, I think I'm going to disappear just like he does. <laughs> like Nightcrawler. <laughs> and Nightcrawler, that's a uh, X-Men, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, well, welcome, Nightcrawler. Um, Thank you. Thanks for being here to, to talk about WandaVision with us. Let's go next to um, Mr. The Professor X. Say hello, Mr. The Professor X. Hello. <coughs> welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Anything you want excited. anything you want to say? I know what everyone's thinking. Oh, excellent. Um, and I'm gonna ask uh Night Scrawler to keep the bamfing to a minimum because it, it always smells like um burning brimstone every every time he bamfs here and there. So now is bamfing when um this um this night crawler teleports? Yeah, but I can light a candle if you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Mr. The Professor X, thank you for being here. And we look forward to hearing your thoughts. Um, let's go, let's go next to um this is a mouthful. It's um Jason Madrox the Multiple Ham. Um welcome, um, Jason Madrox. Uh-oh. Okay. Hola, hello. Um, and uh, long live the sovereign mutant nation of Krakoa. Whatever that means, I'll give it's it a enough. Deep cut. Okay. <laughs> it's a deep cut, and um, that well, I'm, I'm coming out the gate hard. <laughs> we we like we like the deep cuts, and th this is this is an uh, an Avengers level assembly of comic book knowledge. So yes. that, that's good. We like the deep cuts. Now that voice we just heard belongs to. Um, None other than um, uh, Dynamite, I believe. Say hello, uh, Dynamite. Know, hello. You know, the big D, big daddy, Dynamite. Uh, they call me that because, uh, you know, sometimes it all goes spectacularly wrong and goes down in flames. I feel like this could be one of those moments stomping. <laughs> I mean, Scarlet Jen, this is off to a great start. Um, no, this is good. Um, thank you, Dynamite. We, we appreciate you being here. Um, and last, um, but certainly not least, um, Space Unicorn, Scarlet Jen, is, I, I will say it, um, this guest has appeared multiple times on the podcast before. It's Mr. E. Hello. It's Hel marvelous to be here. Oh, <laughs> that was great. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Next hour. Thank you for being here, Mr. E. Now, <clears throat> we all, we all here presumably um, love comics, right? Scarlet Jen? Mm -hmm. True story. Guests? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, oh, um, oh, yeah. now I want to dive in here. Um, I want to start out by asking just a question um i think this wandavision we're here to talk about this show wandavision which is the very first disney television show designed to support the marvel cinematic universe right and i kind of wanted to start by asking you all just what your general impressions of the WandaVision show were. So kind of along the lines of, you know, 
I liked it, it worked, or whatever else you want to say about it without diving too deeply into it. I have, a, I have three pages of very detailed questions for you all. This is so a we'll general get, overview. General overview. We'll get into the details. Um, Space Unicorn, I'm looking at you, so I'm going to start with you. What did what did you think of the of the WandaVision show? Um, it was pretty good. I mean, pretty good. You enjoyed it. Um, I did. Is there anything in particular you enjoyed about it? Um, just having more background information about what happened and the timelines and stuff. Okay. Is 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 Wanda a character that you felt like you wanted to know more about based on the movies? Um, yeah, considering that we didn't really find much about her, like her background story, mm-hmm. um, and how she, um, like arrived at the lab where they tested on her and her brother. Yeah, and did you feel like you got all of that information? Do you feel like you came out of this show knowing more about Wanda? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's 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 good. Um, Scarlet Jen, since you're in the oh, room yes. here with Hi. me, um, yes. what, what what were your general impressions? Um, I very much enjoyed watching this uh, debut television show that mm-hmm. was produced by Disney for Marvel. Okay. Yes. Anything in particular that you really liked about it? Mm, I liked the mystery. I liked the moving up through the decades. The TV show aspect of it at the beginning, and then it, you know, that it slowly unraveled the mystery. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's cool. All right. Let's go to our, let's go to some of our other guests. Um, Let's start with um, Night Scrawler here. Um, What did general impressions of the WandaVision show? Anything else, anything you want to share with us? Yeah, I came out of it. I loved it. I came out of it way happier than I expected to going in. Um, Cause I didn't really have a huge interest in either character. Vision was cool. Scarlet, which was cool, but they never really gave them much in terms of story. Um, and so I didn't really know if I was going to care or not. And, but the way that they approached it, I think that going about it in such a, an odd way where, you know, going through the, the different TV decades and all that um, and trying to make you figure out what was going on was such a great way to pull me in and then start to care about the characters on top of it. Cause I, that, that um, model, that structure that they used was awesome. I love that above all so far. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Dynamite, anything you want to add here? General impressions. Just absolute genius. Um, I think what's so fascinating is that the way they tell the story like it had to be a TV show. The way they're telling the TV story like plays into the actual story that they're telling. And I think there's just so many layers there uh, that we can get into later. But just, uh, you know, like like Nightcrawler, like I did not particularly, um, I was not invested in the characters before this, but I will see anything they're in now. Right. Yeah. Um, Jason Madrox, anything you'd like to add in terms of general impressions? I thought it was a not just a beautiful love letter to, to but the this beautifully constructed like this is everything that you love about TV, and but it was also like I I I, I came into it relatively interested in in both Vision and the Scarlet Witch. I think like Steve Englehart would be super proud. 
would be super jazzed about kind of how they handled the character, how they handled their relationship. And it really, I think, set the stage for kind of the next the next phase of, of the Marvel movies in a great way. That really provided a depth that you can't get on even like three hours of, of movie time. So I was jazzed. It was fun. Okay. Thank you. Um, Mr. The Professor X, additional thoughts in terms of general impressions? I enjoyed the, um, the, the, the timeline when it was framed. It's sort of set between um, Marvel phases, right? It tells a story three weeks after the end of Endgame, and it sets up all kinds of um, cool um, storylines after that, right? Um, it hints at some potential baddies in the future. Um, it, and it, 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 and the way that it's, um, well, it also hints at the existence of, of, um, mutants in the MCU, which, which I will strongly argue in this, this space, um, being a mutant myself. Um, <laughs> I think that, that mutant representation is, um, really important as part of a, a diversity an inclusion initiative in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, but I will say that um, the way that they that they did this, both cin- cinematically and um, sequentially, um, is similar for me in feel. I mean, not not emotional feel, but but kind of like in style to something like um, Into the Spider Verse right? Something, a new take, sort of a neat kind of artsy way to portray a storyline, uh, especially in the first half of this, the storylines. And then like Logan, like what happens at the very end of the X-Men uh, lifeline, timeline, like what, what happens after? So for me, it was a, a merging of those two. Okay, thank you. Uh, Mr. E, what, what are your thoughts, general impressions after having watched WandaVision? Uh, well, I think for a TV show, it was, you know, I think they did a good job of putting studio level and uh, efforts into making it something very successful. I think they just, they set a bar for it. And like a lot of Marvel movies, they put a lot of detail and, you know, it's in some ways, it's, you know, blink if you miss them. And so there's lots of stuff to go back and rewatch. And then you, you see other things that you might have missed in the first go. Um, so I, you know, I think it was a very solid, uh, show. I, you know, it was appointment TV, you know, kind of every Friday, um, when it would be released, I think at the end, it got a little choppy because it suffered from when, uh, the, uh, pandemic started. So they couldn't reshoot and they could get everything they wanted back into it. That's why, you know, for example, you only see Darcy in that, like, you know, five second drive by, um, but I think overall, I think it was really solid. It was, you know, enjoyable to watch and, uh, like some other folks said, it set some other things up and explored backstory in a really nice way. Okay, thank you. Um, now, I have to admit, when I first heard Disney's plan to begin filling in the spaces between movies with these TV shows, I was a little skeptical, right? And when when they only announced the names of the shows, mm-hmm. when I heard the title WandaVision, I was like, what is this? This is going to be stupid. It's like, you know, Disney doesn't know what they're doing. Um, Personally, you know, I'm glad to find out that wasn't the case for me. I mean, I thought it was a a work of pure genius. Um, And so it leads me to the question I want to 
put to all of you, um, do you think this approach of trying to supplement um, the movies and the Marvel MCO, MCU with these TV shows is a good one? And do you think it's going to work going forward? Anyone want to talk to that? Have anything to offer? Um, Dynamite, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's super smart. Um, it really gives them the space to do those small character beats. You know, you get the love story between Wanda and Vision, um, which was surprisingly, you know, really well done and like you know felt genuine. Like it's it's really amazing that they captured that, considering the amount of makeup and CGI that uh, the actor is under. Um, but it frees them up to make the movies sort of the the spectacle. And the, you know, you can imagine a scenario where they hook you on the TV show, they're stringing you along with sort of like, oh, the, the big bad guys like lurking out here and they're going to get you all the way to the end of the season without resolving that. And then you have to go to the movie theater and pay the full price to see the resolution to that storyline. So it's from a business standpoint, it's, it's very smart and it, and it really lets them, I think, get the, bo- the best of both worlds. Yeah, and to to th- and to speak to I think what um, um, Jason Madrox said, um, it, it provides a way to provide so much more detail that you can't get in a in a movie alone, right? Like it just allows so much more expansive storytelling. At least that's what I think I heard um, the multiple the multiple hams say earlier. Um, do you want to go ahead and? Did you want to expound upon that, um, Jason Madrox? Yeah, I feel like too. It's it's such a wonderful way to to even provide kind of a level of fan service while doing this really smart business thing. Because to me, it felt like those limited runs that Marvel would put out that were like five issues. Um, you know, that that were these really can like short storylines tie in crossover events so like it would be this this five issue there was even like in the 80s a five issue wanda vision um then like that rolled into like the larger avengers story and the west coast avengers stories and like for me it's it's such a great like way to spend time and to do these kind of deeper character moments that really can't get when you've got like a squad of 30 characters deep, like, you know, and, you know, when I go to the movies to watch basically anything, cause I'm a garbage person, I, I want to see like less, less Gabby, more stabby, more <laughs> big explosions. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to see a, a character, <laughs> but Friday nights, that's a, that's a wonderful hour getting deep and in like the love of an, of a synthesoid and a, a mutant. Yeah. Although she's not a mutant anymore, I think. Yeah. I'm going to ask about that. Um, I, I have questions about that. Are you leaving space yeah, unicorn? Space unicorn is, is done with this. Okay. Podcast All right. Um, well, th- goodbye. goodbye. Thanks space unicorn. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us. Um, Bye. Mr. The Professor X has been frantically waving. Yep, I see him. Um, Mr. The Professor X, what do you have to say about these TV shows as a supplement to the uh, MCU? Well, I think that they play an essential component in making the the broader 
MCU storylines accessible to the non-nerd audience. Like a lot of us, you know, heard about Endgame and have been feeling Thanos's presence for years, right? This has been developing for, you know, 12 years or so. And um, we can, after, you know, Thanos's defeat, there needs to be, there, there needed to be a bridge from one phase to the next, right? And this played a really key role in establishing a few things through a really thoughtful storyline around grief and loss. Yeah. And it was really relatable. Yeah. I feel like they tried to do a little bit of that in the second Spider-Man movie Mm -hmm. um, coming home, but you know, it, it It didn't quite hit home. Skim the surface. Yeah. Right. Um, Showed it on a, on a, a broader scale. Right. But this, this really, and it's funny. I, um, Mr. The Professor X mentioned uh, a little while ago that the WandaVision show takes place three weeks after the events okay. of Endgame, and I don't think I knew that until today. And I was doing some reading up. That? Is that what they said in the show? Yeah. I mean, they had the whole at the end where you know she goes and she tries to get his body, and then she goes directly to yeah to New Jersey. But I guess that. I guess what I didn't know is how fresh uh wanda's grief was and like where she was placed in that timeline exactly at least initially it didn't occur to me maybe that was part of the mystery i'm not sure but i have thoughts go ahead please. i actually have thoughts scarlet jen go please <laughs> um now i forgot them no i'm just kidding no i i think uh for me because you know, there was all these movies that came out over the last couple of years, and I was never a Marvel comic fan. I, I, I read a lot of DC Vertigo growing up. That was my jam, not really much more mainstream comics. And so I didn't understand how any of this stuff connected. And then I thought that the movies, Infinity Wars, like brilliantly like brought all of these different movies together. And like you and I would talk about this frequently and like you were like, oh, well, you have to watch all these movies. And I'm like, oh my God, so much movies, so much content. And then we watched the WandaVision. I think there was like three or four episodes in where I had to stop. And I had to go back and rewatch some of the movies to even understand like where we were and what was happening. And so it's putting into context like all of this world building that they've put on into television and movies now. Yeah, we did do that. We went back and rewatched all of the Avengers movies. We had to watch Ultron because I was like so, yeah. so confused about who Vision actually was. And because you forget all the content. So I think it's brilliant what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. E, please. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, um, it, I think uh, Scarlett Jen is making a good point. Like, It gives people who might not have gone and seen the other movies a couple of times or might not have bought the DVDs or the Blu-rays and watched them a whole bunch of times. But having it all on one platform allows people to do just what she outlined, where you can say, oh, wait, wait a, mi- wait a minute. It, it's a way of attacking something that might be like so many movies, but you're able to piece and piece them together yourself on them because they're all available right there, mm-hmm. um, which is great. And I think um, just to follow up on the earlier point about um, it being three weeks after, I think that dulls some of like the, you know, the, the messed up stuff that Wanda did, you know, had it been long, much longer afterwards, she takes over this town, 
that might have been more of like a dick move, but she did it in such, you know, within three weeks where she was still suffering so much. It makes it a little bit less dick move. Like, you know, she was, it's a little less, she was right in the middle of her, like, you know, her big, huge uh, moment that she was having in pain. And so like, it makes it like less of a bad guy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and go ahead, uh, Mr. Professor X. Please. Sorry. Just, just thinking, I was just thinking as you, as, as you were talking, um, just think about the pain that Wanda must have been in, right? It wasn't that like the audience knows that that Vision died, right? That he died and then he died again. So that sucks. But Wanda was the he was the love of her life, and she had to she had to kill him, right? Uh, just for that for for that effort to be just completely invalidated by by the time stone. And then just to see that, you know, moment of getting, getting the, the, not uh, the uh, soul stone. Is it the soul stone? Yeah. Not the mind stone. The mind stone. That's right. So getting the mind stone ripped out of his face, you know, ripped, you know, ripping out his, his heart, basically just imagine the the sheer pain that she must've been going through. Like I, I would have been just numb for those three weeks and it's totally understandable that yeah. that she's not the bad guy here. Well, let me let me ask a question. I mean, Wanda created this whole new reality in Westview, right? Out of a combination of real people um, that she basically held captive, right? And also, um, she populated that world with creations of her mind. I mean, we could talk about this a little bit more, right? With I'm going to call him Westview Vision, and then her kids, right? Uh, Tommy and Billy, I think, and. I guess what I need to ask is, is what Wanda did, let's not talk about whether she's good or evil right now, but is what she did um, wrong in some way? Is it objectively wrong? Can we view it that way? Who has thoughts about that? Um, Nightscrawler, please. So objectively wrong. And as far as like taking an entire town hostage or creating, I think so. I think that's what I'm asking. Living beings. Yeah. I, well, I mean both, right? I mean, she 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 took this town hostage and she created these, um, arguably, um, artificial but sentient beings with her magic that she ended up having to kill. So, like, right. was that wrong? I mean, I think that they set up pretty well that it started off kind of as an beyond her control like it was just a kind of pouring of grief that created it all and she didn't fully understand what she was even doing until sort of midway through as things from the real world started breaking in like when the radio when when um the fbi agent was talking to her through the radio those little moments started to kind of snap her out of it when she started realizing that there was something going on and maybe she had to do with it. And she clearly didn't want to acknowledge that. And she kind of went into that denial. So once she became conscious of what she was doing and she was Mm -hmm. holding people hostage, then for sure that's wrong. Um, As far as vision went, um, I like how, when he asked, what am I? That part got me like, really? Um, He said, what am I? And she said, you are the part of the mind stone that lives inside me because when she was a kid and the, the, um, agents there from hydra tapped or where she touched the, the stone and then like she saw the scarlet witch and all that stuff and part of the mind stone entered into her i don't think that she necessarily created him as much as sort of like the mind stone 
because the, the stones are all sort of live on their own. Um, mm. And I think that it, it, it's, it's outpouring was almost um, a combination of her grief and maybe some of her will, but also it, the, the mind stones own um, power. It, it, you know, so I don't think that she necessarily created vision as far as the kids go. That's for me, the biggest question is what are those kids? Are they, uh, are they from another dimension because they're talking about the multiverse and all that coming up? Or is that something she just purely manifested from wherever inside of herself? So that that's, I don't know what the answer is. Mm. Anyone have thoughts on that? Um, I see Jason Madrock's hand going up and then, then we'll, then we'll go to dynamite. Uh, Jason Madrox. I mean, I w- yep. I want to, yeah, yeah. I want aspect because I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna play Mephisto advocate, like um, I think it's, you you can't say it's not really wrong. She she took all of these people without their consent and dramatically altered lives. Um, in a position where no matter what happens from that point forward, they have to deal with, with what she's done to them. Um, and so there's kind of no like easy way to say like, well, that's, you know, she had no right to do that, but then it kind of ends this place of being like, well, when you're dealing with that level of power, and I think it's an ongoing theme through most of like Marvel's, you know, God, their entire cat is is what responsibility comes when you have that level of power and when you when you can express that power um, and really no one can do anything about it. And it's, it's hard to not say at some point she had a responsibility to the rest of the world um, because of the power that she had. Um, and as for the kids. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how they're going to move forward with it. Um, you know, I, it, play um, from their creation disillusion play such an interesting role in kind of the Marvel universe, the Marvel comics universe for 30 years. And so I'm, I'm really curious about kind of what the larger role they're going to play is, um, you know, and where they came from, you know, opens the door to an entire new kind of, um, untapped mythos in, in Marvel, um, you know, because they're, they have a well-established, you know, history in the comic books, but will, will they translate that? Or will it be a question of where, where the multiverse did they come from? Will it follow kind of the Marvel storyline of how she creates them? And I don't want to too many spoilers for 30 year old comics, but um, you know, it's for me that, that I'm, I'm curious, like my, my nerd radar is up and I'm just really dying to find out what happens. Yeah. I mean, I'll just, before I go to dynamite, I'll offer my own impression as somebody who hasn't read the comics, right. <clears throat> I don't have a deep knowledge and maybe I'll be surprised by this, but my thought was that they were just uh, manifestations of her magic, and that they they weren't real. I mean, nobody has to respond to that, but I'm I'm curious if anybody else, or no one has to respond to my thoughts about it. But if you want to share your own about it, um, 
I, I'm, I really do want to hear that, but dynamite, um, you were, you were next up. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a good point. I mean, uh, there's kind of an interesting thing that happens where, okay, so she, she sees Vision's dead body, you know, she's sort of like trying to process this grief. She goes to the place that he's bought. And then, I mean, like, I guess at this point she like loses control of herself, of her powers and like through like her imagination, like imagines this life that could have been and like takes control of this entire town and and creates the hacks. Right. And you know, for me, for me, that's kind of interesting because it, it, because it does take, again, this, uh, the form of this escapist fantasy of like the sitcom where like nothing bad ever really happens and everything is fixed in within 30 minutes. Yeah. Anybody else on, I'm curious, um, if you have thoughts about, are the kids real? Like, are they you know, or or are they just merely manifestation? Or, or does that even matter if they're just manifestations of her magic mystery than uh, the Professor X? I think um, you know there are different stories in the actual comics, and but I think one thing that Marvel has managed to you know on, on the whole successfully do is they have like a really core, you know, strong core thread that they're doing through all of these movies, and the way that they're sort of bringing in what they can. Um, so they might keep the kids as something, you know, like as kind of like what you described where she manifested them. Um, but you know, at, at the very end, you hear one of them calling to her. And so I think like my guess is what you'll see is like her trying to pull them in, to, you know, and that might be like a, from one reality to another, but like, I think they might not have before this all happened, they, they might not have existed anywhere. They were something that, you know, that she brought to life because she had this thing, you know, this, this idea of what was going to happen. And then she had this great surge of, you know, raw anger and heartbreak. And then she was able to pull them into it existence by creating them. And then she might be able to like fish them out, you know, somewhere, or that may be what she tries to do next and pulling them in. And mm-hmm. that might cause some of the chasms and such. But I think in the way that the MCU is doing it is she kind of thought them into existence in her little bubble um, and then we'll see how like she's able to pull them back in mm-hmm. at, at all. Uh, Mr. The Professor X, did you have thoughts you wanted to offer? Yeah, just to just to add that in, in the comics, um, the, the kids were real as long as she was around, right? And, it, and if she wasn't around, they would disappear. Um, the, the other angle that I wanted to add is that um, there have been some explanations about all of this that that she's inadvertently in in her toggling through timelines and and um, alternate realities that she's inadvertently um, tapped into Mephisto's work magic who is yeah. um who is Mephisto I, I don't even know who that is I know um, um Jason Jason mentioned Mephisto earlier. Now you, you're you're mentioning this character. Can you tell me who that is? I I literally don't know. He's a big baddie. He's an immortal. Maybe Jason can can expl- <laughs> expand on that a little bit better than I can. Dynamite's raising his hand. Or uh, dynamite. He's he's the literal devil in the Marvel universe. Okay. Um. So is. Yeah, so in, in the Marvel Universe, hell is like its own dimension. It's not this abstract concept. It's like this, this a place. 
and so um, the 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 question whether or not the the twins are alive or not is kind of irrelevant because um, you then have to question what does alive mean when Mephisto is like the devil and yet he's alive, right? Um, so it, it could be argued that the twins are um, parts of Wanda's magic, dark magic. It could be argued that there are parts of Mephisto that she's then toggling into into, into her experience. But in either case, I think when 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 they were alive, they were real, uh, and now they're they're not, right? But there's there's elements of them still out there calling out to her. So that's I think what's happening at the the um, the final scene in in WandaVision that she's she's trying to reach out to them in some way, which is going to mess things up even even more. I think too. Um, this gets a little bit too. I mean, is Vision real? You know, certainly their relationship within the hex feels real. Right. And he behaves, you know, certainly in a very real way. Um, so, you know, are, are the children real? And in a certain context, they are. Um, yeah. And I guess what, what I'm getting at is they're, they're more, I'm, I'm trying to try to understand is while she's in the hex, while they're there, they're more than just. Uh, figments of her imagination, right? They they are they are beings, right? They they are, are alive in a sense, right? That's what I'm hearing. Right. Um, Jason, in, in in every sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would agree with that. There's the great moment of of the series in which um, Hex Vision is talking to the reconstituted vision um and they have that back and forth and, and excuse me remembering the the, the uh, game they were playing around the book um that you know was vision ever real to begin with he he's a synthesoid he's an artificial patient he's the merger of in the mcu you know, the Mind Stone, um, Bruce Banner's thought pattern, Stark's thought pattern, Jarvis's AI pattern, and it's cobbled together and built together to, to create this thing. And they treat that real. And he was as much brought into beings as you know, one of his children just through technology, through kind of this, this, this thing that happened in the age of Ultron. And so we treat him as real. We don't have any questions about like the reality of a vision in the greater Marvel universe. So uh, that separate from kids, you know, they were thinking, feeling autonomous, sentient creatures inside the hex and where that comes from and where they, they kind of, how they came in to be, I think is a great question that I'm sure Marvel's going to explore. Um, and, you know, for me, that that's a really fascinating question around, you know, when you bring around these kind of like forces, that need to have, you know, what do, how do we, what's like, what is a person like? Um, yeah. Uh, to, to call on your phone. Oh, sorry. Yes. And I, and, and yes, I, I can, 
<laughs> Thanks. We're um, and we're, we 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 value um, Jason Madrox's words so much. Um, we're just trying to set up an alternative um, way for him to get in here and offer them. So we're going to work on that. Um, and I wanted to. I I was surprised at how. Um, powerful Wanda was, right? Like I think we saw signifiers of that in some of the some of the movies, but to be able um to be to be able to manifest life, right, in a sense. Um I don't think we've seen characters as powerful as Wanda up to this point. Maybe except for Thanos, but he had all the infinity stones, right? Um Anybody want to? I mean, am I off? Am I off base here in in thinking that Wanda may be the most powerful character we've seen up to this point? Um, uh, Dynamite. I mean, I think they certainly say that within the series. They said, you know, well, uh, she could have gone toe to toe with Thanos, and I think, at least in the context of the hex, what we're seeing represented is is you know, basically the same powers as the reality stone. I think even like some of the ways that the, you know, like when, when vision is breaking up, like the, the way that that, that visual effect happened, I think resembles in a lot of ways what happened when Thanos was using the reality stone to like chop up like the, the guardians of the galaxy or whatever. Um, and I mean, I think to, in some ways, I think that there will be callbacks to this for um, the, the next phase of Marvel with the Doctor Strange movie, which is the multiverse of madness. I mean, fundamentally what she did is create her own pocket dimension, right? With her own, you know, projections that she's created that are for all intents and purposes real. Uh, and then she drew all of the other people from that area into that dimension. Pocket dimension. Yeah. That's a cool thing. Yeah. Um, Whatever that means. So, am I? I, I want to get into some of the gritty details here. Uh, oh, Mister E, please before we do that. Oh, yeah. No, I was just gonna say it's kind of interesting to you know. I'm just thinking about it now. Um, you know, we're sort of like debating like what's real or not. You know, but about a work. You know, but a whole series of things that are not real, right? Like, you know, <laughs> Wanda Vision. Like, they're not real. But we're talking about like what's real. Like, it's it's kind of a little meta, right? Like, what's we? You know people made up the Marvel universe, you know, you know, decades ago. And, but you know, like, is Iron Man real? Like, you know, like it's kind of like, we, uh, we, they'd be having that discussion. Like there are things that were made up and brought to life ish. And like, is that real? And like, and that's the kind of like the debate within the MCU about this pocket dimension that like kind of going on. Um, but the other thing I was just going to, to a point or two ago, um, you know, like I mentioned, we, at the very end, we saw, or we heard like, you know, one of the kids reach out to her. Um, I'm only, I'm wondering like the Mephisto point, if that is the beginning of something else trying to manipulate her, I, you know, I don't know if there was manipulation all through the series, but maybe Mephisto was just hanging out and he's like, Oh, what's going on over there? And then he, this is their step in, you know, to like causing something to happen later. So, yeah. That's that a good, we can move on. That's a, a night scrawler. Go ahead. I was going to say that makes sense. And that's a good point because if you think about it, uh, Agatha was all about the kids and just like she was the one responsible for bringing Pietro back um, for her to be so interested in the kids makes a lot of sense that she might've had a hand in that. Cause everyone thinks that she might've been operating through or Mephisto might've been operating through her as well. 
Um, there was that, I don't know if anybody knows about the whole side story that they wanted to add about the rabbit that she had. Um, but Agatha had this rabbit that they kept showing when she was babysitting the kids. And apparently they had a scene that they had filmed, but they couldn't complete it in time for the end of the series in which the rabbit turns out to actually be a demon, whether or not that demon was supposed to be Mephisto or not. They didn't say, I don't think it was supposed to be, but it was like a demon that resulted in like a Goonies style chase through the caverns <laughs> in her basement. Um, oh, that would be interesting. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Side note. Um, before we go to you, Dynamite, uh, Mr. Professor, the, uh, Mr. The Professor X, did you have anything you wanted to add on that? Thought I, I saw your hand. Lost go my train of thought. Keep going. Okay, dynamite. Um, you know, I mean, certainly, yeah. Could it be Mephisto? Possibly. I'm just not sure why they wouldn't use uh, Dormammu from uh, Doctor Strange because, like, there's already a character there, you know, that they they haven't really finished up with. Uh, so, you know, I mean, they, they make tweaks with with these movies certainly all the time. Like Ultron from the comics. You know, his creator is Hank Pym, not. Tony Stark, but uh, I kind of wonder if they might might go that route and have Dormammu uh, show up again. Yeah, and Mr. E mentioned this um, Agnes and um, Agatha Harkness uh, person who are one and the same, right? Agnes was the friendly neighbor who was always in the right place in, in, in the context of the, the TV show and also when they were outside of the TV show as well, but who turned out to be this really powerful witch, right? Um, named Ag- Agatha Harkness. Harkness. Now, I've never heard of this character before. Is this is this somebody that hardcore fans were happy to see, surprised to see? Tell me about. Tell me about somebody. Tell me about this character, um, uh, Jason Madrox. So I was I was really jazzed to see Agatha Harkness. Um, I did. Uh, it was one of those Marvel moments where I think that, um, you know, being a fan, you there wasn't a surprise. Um, Agatha, Agatha Harkness and, you know, the Scarlet Witch have a long history, um, especially in the in the Marvel comics where she was part teacher, part um, mentor. She was actually the one in, uh, I can't remember if it was John Byrne or if it was Stephen Englehart. Um, I don't remember which run it was where um, Agatha actually blocks uh, the Scarlet Witch's memories of her children so that she could kind of get over the grief of of their their disappearance in the comics. And then, you know, sets up a, a basically a ticking time bomb that explodes 30 years la- later and um you know the the bendis storylines but she had always kind of been around through through the marvel comics as i want to say like a counterpoint to doctor strange but like as a as another powerful mystic magic user in the marvel universe um so it was it was cool to see her and they did tweak her character because my reading of her was she's not necessarily evil but she's she's almost like chaotic neutral like mm-hmm. it, it, to use D terms yeah like you know she it, so it was it was an interesting take on her to see her position more as a villain villain um especially given the character's history in the comics um so yeah yeah what say you mr the professor x uh the the thought came back and it, and it, <laughs> it sorry i don't want to derail but no go ahead you know just thinking about 
Mephisto and how he, how it, it, they, this, this being fits into all of this, right. And, and it's influence on this show specifically, this sort of storyline. And, and one of the things that, you know, if he is the devil or he, if he characterizes himself as the devil and he oversees a place, you know, hell or Hades or whatever he wants to call it. And he entraps human souls, right then what better way to get more human souls than to have, than to bring the Scarlet Witch forward, right? To help her develop through Agnes, right? And to have her lose her mind um, in having their children reaching out or right, the like the 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 voice of of her child reaching out to her, because as Agnes told us, she is the Scarlet Witch, the one who 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 is destined to destroy the universe. Now, do you right? think? So, yeah, sorry, go ahead. So it could be that Mephisto is screwing with um, with this to like fast forward her development to then. You know, as as with Ragnarok, right? It was it was about causing Ragnarok to then, you know, that large devil that destroyed, yeah. uh, you know, um, Asgard. That maybe the Scarlet Witch does the same to the universe, right? And so that would then um, feed him with all kinds of souls. Um, but that's sort of just a quick fan theory that came to mind. Now, is it possible that this M- Mephisto? sent Agatha Harkness there to awaken the Scarlet Witch. And then when she got a taste of um, Wanda's powers, she decided to try to steal them because it seemed like, Mm -hmm. it seemed like that she was, it seemed like at some point she decided I'm going to take Wanda's powers and prevent her from being the Scarlet Witch. Um, We'll go to Jason, then Dynamite, uh, then Mystery. Yeah, I think that's 100% possible. And I think that, like, Mephisto represents, like, the, the the devil in the Marvel Universe. But, like, to understand, like, kind of how broad that is, though, the idea of the, the Marvel Universe isn't, there isn't just one hell in the Marvel Universe. There's, there's, hell hell dimensions across like numerous different like beliefs and there's like the asgardian version of hell spelled with one l there's limbo Mm -hmm. there's all of these various hell dimensions along with the the dimension that mephisto resides in and he isn't just the ruler of his dimension he is the lord of all hells and so like all of these other devil characters from all of these other beliefs and their their own dimension are like oh well you know, he's like, he's like the dawn, the dawn of the devils. Like, well, we got to pay up the line to Mephisto. And I could see him sitting there and seeing, seeing the blip and being like, what's going on over there? Like, that's weird. And then kind of seeing this, these powers and, and, and moving subtly, like, because unlike Thanos, who was a fist, just a fist pounding against the wall of the universe, Mephisto is more like, you know the the slow leak that causes an ice fissure in a wall mm-hmm. he he moves very like subtly and so the idea that he notices it and starts moving agnetha to to wanda like would fit with the character like that's, and i think it would yeah yeah that's interesting uh, dynamite i think we want to be careful not to rob agatha for agency here because mm-hmm. i think 
she's a powerful witch in her own right. She mm-hmm. has her own resources. She has her own agenda. And I think she did things consistent with that agenda. Certainly if she's able to drain power, um, you know, she's attracted to this massive outpouring of magic, all of that stuff was internally consistent. And I don't think it really requires Mephisto or some other cosmic level power yeah. to try and influence her to be there. Set Mephisto, be- yeah. I mean, set Mephisto aside. Do you think she wanted to initially awaken the Scarlet Witch in her or? No, I, I think she was there to, to try and learn more to mm. gather power. I think you, I think really there's that really fascinating episode where she's like walking her through the memories and, and like in a way sort of serving as that mentor where mm-hmm. she's like inadvertently telling her like, Oh, you know, here's the sigils in my, in my sanctum. So you can't cast magic. Right. I think that was a really fascinating character dynamic they had, but something that we're kind of skipping over uh, and is, you know, sort of the big MacGuffin is the dark hold. Um, in, yeah. You know, in in the comics, the Darkhold is a book of great power. It is, you know, I would say unabashedly evil in some ways. Um, written by, I think, Cthulhu, which is sort of their like Cthulhu, uh, Marvel's Cthulhu kind of deity. Um, and basically, nothing good ever comes of reading it. So. You know, the, the bigger question for me is like, what's going to come out of her having, you know, not just awakened the, the Scarlet Witch, but really it's that sort of she's gained that self-knowledge and now she's sort of researching the darkest magic and and where's that going to lead us? And again, I, I don't know that we even necessarily need um, sort of a cackling devil or, or whatever to be pulling the strings, although that certainly could be mm-hmm. the, one of the character beats. Yeah, um, let's go. We'll go to Mr. E. Um Hear his thoughts, then we'll go to um, Mr. The Professor X. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think um, uh, right, like uh, I'm sorry, Dynamite is right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Agatha, she like you know sensed or saw that something was going on. She went to investigate, and I think we see her in in that episode that was really great. You know, with you know uh, they walked through uh, memories. She was investigating. She's like, okay, what is this? And I think you know she might have flip-flopped back and forth between like what you know what is this you know can i teach this person and partner with this person okay she might be a little unstable how do i get this power so i think you know she might have back you know gone back and forth a little bit and then arrived at like all right i am going to steal this shit right so (laughs) i'm going to take this from her and i'm going to do me good and that's you know what happened you know and what we saw play Mm -hmm. out um and i also agree that like you know the dark hold might be like a, a bigger something coming, you know, and then what we see coming next or in the future. Um, I just wonder about like how and if Mephisto actually gets brought in because, you know, like I don't think they can go full like, oh, he's the huge devil because you can't, you know, once you jump that shark and you beat him, you know, what's left for people to do, right? Mm-hmm. So um, he, he might come in, but it might not be like the big huge devil he might be something else when he comes through. Um, so I think that goes along with, uh, you know, um, not making too big a deal out of this thing, but it could be, you know, it could be other players at work. Could he possibly be like a phase five big bad, like after whatever they do with this cosmic stuff coming up in phase four is, do you think that's a possibility? Yeah. I think the problem with, 
I think the problem with Mephisto is that as such a cosmic being, it's a little tough to work with him narratively. And so what you end up with is a scenario like with the original Doctor Strange movie where like in order to beat him, you have to just come up with like a clever way of boxing him into, you know, like, oh, he's agreed to something that he can't fulfill or, you know, your, your typical sort of like, uh, you know, classic writing, like somebody makes a deal with the devil and finds a loophole to like get out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Mr. He the- could also end up being like, a, I'm sorry, he could also end up being something like a pen name where like, there's like, oh, you don't want to anger Mephisto or oh, it's him when it's really somebody else. Mm-hmm. It could be like, you know, kind of like the, you know, the great and powerful Oz, like, ah, but it's really <laughs> somebody else behind the curtain. I just know? don't want a character like that to have been the rabbit that that <laughs> Agatha was no. holding. That's all. No. Well, I just, you know, it's, uh, it's Mr. Well, I read, yeah, I'm go, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like, I read a lot of like different theories about what's up with the rabbit. Yeah. And the one I liked the best was that um, she, like Dr. Strange had like also like, you know, WTF, let me go up and find out what's going on. And she captured him and made him a rabbit. Hmm. That was secretly Doctor Strange all along. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting, oh, uh, cool. Mister yeah. the Professor X. You you wanted to get in on this? Yeah, just wanted to tie in a couple of ideas that I've heard yeah. so far, and thanks everybody for for a great discussion. Um, the thing about Mephisto is that is that it's it's he's deeply manipulative, right? He moves again in the shadows very very slowly. He's an immortal, right? So human life. What, what's happened over the last 12 years or the timeline that's existed, even if you think about Captain America's existence in the, what is it, 40s or 50s, 1940s or 50s, when that sort of started, would be a, just a blink of an eye for, for a guy like Mephisto. So he has time. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanos didn't have time, right, as a big bad. He knew that the universe was going to end and that or rather many worlds in the universe were going to end unless he did this. Right. This was his calling. And I don't think that Mephisto would have like sent um, Agatha in the same way that um, Thanos sent Loki. Right. I think it would be more like he influenced Agatha in some way. Right. Um, he might have made sure that she got the dark hold. Right. Exactly. And, and, and to speak to Agatha's um, sense of agency and power, as powerful as Agatha is, is that, that's not in dispute here. She's very powerful, which she did make clear that she had to study a lot. Right. And especially from the dark old and what she saw in Wanda. And, and she didn't know that Wanda was a Scarlet Witch. She was trying to test that theory. She wanted to know if she was because it was kind of fishy. Um, but uh, as powerful as she was, again, she's she was, um, uh, you know, a study. She absorbed power from other people. She had to, like, feed that, feed her own, you know, power to get become more powerful. And yet. Here is Wanda Maximoff, right? Um, which, by the way, um, Agatha suggested that she, um, when she was trapped under the rubble, she was the one who used her nascent power at that time for the um, Tony Stark missile or, you know, or, uh, you know, ordinance not to explode. So that then suggests that she could have had mutant abilities from the beginning. And in fact, if we look at the you know the the comics and how Wanda is characterized, she's a class five, right? Um, class five mutant to the, in the likes of like Magneto and Phoenix and all of that. So, 
So she's quite, quite powerful. And, and, and she was able to defeat Agatha without study. So imagine how powerful she's going to be. Yeah. And um, I want to, I want to ask about that. And thank you, um, Mr. Professor X. Um, Night scrawler. Is this what she was reading at the end, Wanda? Was she flipping through and hover yeah. Wanda? I mean, at that and point, she she's doing... the Scarlet Witch, right? She, but she's reading this Darkhold. Yeah, she's doing the she's doing the Doctor Strange move from Endgame, where she's like speed reading that, basically looking at all the different options all at once in that book. And so then, when she's hearing the kids, that's why it felt like that was something she was picking up on that they were in some other realm or reality or whatever but dynamite's got something yep uh, well, yeah um i just want to i want to ask real quick um uh night scroll your opinion does reading the dark hold make one make one evil like is the the act of assimilating that information make you evil or no oh that i don't know okay I have no idea. Uh, uh dynamite so it depends on the media. There's been, um, there's actually a comic book run called Dark Old Pages from the Book of Sin, which is sort of about like, there's, there's like a, a group of like cultists that kind of like worship the book and like they're trying to recover all of the pages, but like the pages are sort of out in the world and there's kind of these cursed items and they end up in people's hands and like anybody that ends up with one of the pages and, and uses it it always goes bad, right? Like, it's like, it's it's sort of all like classic horror tropes where it's like, oh, you can bring back this person but died, but actually they're a vampire or something horrible like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's all dark, bad magic. Is reading it necessarily going to corrupt her? No, uh, but certainly using any of it is not going to go well. And I think they, you know, they did that also on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They had a whole season where they had the dark hold. So it's a little bit of a tie-in. I mean, the, the graphic art is a little different than what they had in this show. So I don't know that it's, again, we're talking multiverse. Like, is it the exact same one? Are they going to treat it the same way? Not necessarily. But in the S.H.I.E.L.D. run, you know, basically nothing good ever came out of it. And Mr. Reed, do we, do we know whether or not uh, Doctor Strange has read the dark hold? Was that in, in his, his library of books or was that something he read when he went and got trained? Uh, so in the Doctor Strange movie, you know, when the scenes where they're in the library, you see several places where books are missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like conceivable that the Darkhold is one of the ones that's missing or was stolen at some point or what have you, but it's not there now. Okay. Um, so that's like one tie in there. Um, and I think like it's the Darkhold is kind of, it's, you know, to use another uh, metaphor, it's like the dark side, like, you know, it's super powerful. And once you start using it, you turn bad eventually. So it's like, it's that kind of idea hmm. that that's what's going, that could and would happen. Um, but in the very end scene of WandaVision, you know, you see her first out in that kind of like lone Bruce Banner cabin out in the middle of the wilderness. She's having coffee. And then they go in and show her also there, which was like a slight thing showing that how, you know, she is more powerful than Dr. Strange because when he did it, he was asleep and studying. She was out there having coffee and doing that at the same time. So she's like, they're just simply showing like how much yeah. greater she is at with power. Uh, than he is. Jason Madrox, what, what, what do you have to say? Well, I think that like the, they established like in the Dr. Strange film, you know, when, when it's, it's strange and woo in the, in the library that like no knowledge is off limits that they don't, they don't, like ban uh, a sorcerer from from studying anything 
But the question is like, what do you do when you have that kind of knowledge? What do you do when you, when you have access to something that is arguably evil? And I think it goes back to that idea that again, I think it's underlying most of, of Marvel is where, where is the personal responsibility and when you're when you're given access to that, although I, I do agree and that that was a beautiful deep cup deep deep cut about the dark old um series that like nothing good ever comes from it. Like it's it's not gonna turn out well. <laughs> yeah. Now I want to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Why? what i know oh because <laughs> when willow turns bad and she learns all this dark magic and she becomes a villain so a similar kind of theme similar theme right yes yeah. yes um, similar theme. joss joss whedon plays a big role in the mcu so I'll, <laughs> i'm always down to talk about some buffy <laughs> love to see her show up in the next blade movie yeah before before i uh, i do want to i do want to talk about where wanda ends up kind of at the end, but I want to come back to that. And I, I want to, I want to explore a little bit more about vision, right. in that character in this series, because we've had some spirited online debates about, um, I like, I like what Jason called him hex vision versus, um, real world vision, right. Or white vision, I guess is, is what he's called is in the, in the comics. Um, and, and I think, how how do I want to ask this? Um, so, White Vision is created out of, um, I guess, Endgame Vision's body, his corpse, right? They reconstruct um, the Endgame Vision's dead body to make to make White Vision. Um, yeah, I think they like do that, and they like boot up his like, yeah. backup software. Um, but then, um, then he kind of merges in a way. So a hex vision takes his memory. Hex vision takes his own hex memories and implants them into white vision, right? And the white vision then kind of says, "Well, I am vision," and he flies away, right? I think that's what happens. Mm-hmm. So we have these. We have these two visions. We have these two visions now, right? Wait, wait, we can't, we can't go past the idea of the ship of Theseus, that conversation that they had. What? Okay. Help, yeah. help me out here. Um, Mr. Yeah, the Professor it, it, it wasn't like there was two visions and then all of a sudden there's like one vision that left and one vision that it was it, it, much, much deeper than that. That moment where they're sort of floating around having that discussion is critically important mm-hmm. to, to visions future. The idea here around the ship of Theseus was that um, the, the, the um, hex vision explains to white vision um, that there's an artifact in the museum, right? It's made of planks of wood. It's an ancient ship. And over time, those planks of wood rot and are replaced with new planks because, you know, right, you want to keep the ship so that people can come and observe. Um but at the once none of the planks remain, is it still the ship of Theseus? No, it's a replica. Well, that's the point. That would be my argument. Well, that was the point that they were making. Right. So and, and, and so and so part of what um Hex Hex Vision was arguing, and anybody please jump in here, was that maybe those pieces of rot, the places where there were 
dings and stains and rot. Maybe that's what the places where where um, there were parts missing. Maybe that was the ship of Theseus, those memories. And they use the word memories very, very yeah. clearly. And so when we talk about um, the, the transfer of memories from hex vision to white vision, it feeds into that analogy that really, really important uh, in an important way, because now vision is not just feeding white vision, the memories of the, the, all the movies we've seen so far that um, vision has appeared in, but also the memories of him, ha him having a family with Wanda of the two kids of their adventure, their lives together. And now that all of that stuff, all of those memories are within white vision. Um, and I think that's going to lead to some really interesting um, plot opportunities. I think this is so this is one of the things that I love about Marvel is that they they go very deep on a lot of this stuff. But but fundamentally what they do right is they take an existing idea and then they just say, you know, what about X, but with superheroes. Right. <laughs> so they they took the good place. Right. They're like, let's have this show about this like weird fictional place with a bunch of philosophical discussion, but put superheroes in it, right? You know, the Captain America, the Winter Soldier, they're like, what if we did a political thriller, but with superheroes? You know, Ant-Man was like, what if we did an action comedy, but with superheroes? Um, you know, and it's, it's just so smart because it keeps it fresh because every movie feels different. They all have kind of their own internal logic. You know, they're talking about the next Doctor Strange being like much more of like kind of a horror, scary movie, which I'm, I'm pretty stoked for. Mm -hmm. uh, Jason Madrox. Well, I just want to touch on when you when you so confidently said, you know, no, it's a replica. Well, let me let me pose this if the if the ship of theseus is made of the same parts if it literally the planks are taken from the same tree the the rope is woven from the same hemp the 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 sails are constructed of the same fabric where is the replication it it, it lies in the memory and i think you know mr professor um put it so well that it becomes a question of what houses the memory of this thing of this of of either the ship or in this case vision he white vision versus hex vision you know just just based on what we know of hex vision he isn't real he isn't the real vision and yet somehow we treat him more real than we do the white vision when white vision shows up hex vision never you know was never part of the Avengers. Hex Vision never fought Thanos. Hex Vision never sacrificed his life um, only to be killed again. White Vision or Chalk Vision did, but he yeah. held none of those memories <laughs> yeah. when we meet him. And so he arguably when we meet him, we're like, oh, that's that's not the real vision. That's not mm -hmm. that's that's a fake vision. It's that moment of like who and what houses the memory of of the thing that that we create it's it's a really deep moment yeah I mean, it really is beautifully deep yeah and before we go to night scrawler i just i want to i want to add like my my reaction was that um white vision you know was the the quote-unquote real vision right um that was my feeling towards him 
all along and that, you know, he had gotten uh, the core of core of himself stolen by Thanos when the Mind Stone was ripped out of him, right? And then he was kind of restored when Hexvision, who I feel like, you know, based on our earlier conversation, was 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 real in a sense, put his memories into White Vision. He became fully restored, but also got all this extra stuff. Um, but Nightcrawler, I want to hear your thoughts on this. So real quick, two things on, on this one, because that, that, um, that scene was awesome. I loved it. And that conversation was great. And when Hex Vision passed his memories on to White Vision, I had two thoughts about it. One was, okay, Chalk Vision. I like that one. That's funny. Chalk Vision suddenly, to me, became the official real Vision because, A, he's made of physical materials. He can actually leave the hex and whatnot. And now he has the memories. He was kind of turned on by the power from Wanda that when they put the, when they put the, uh, the drone in, it kind of got charged up with her magic, which is also powered by the Mind Stone. So that's how they kicked him to life. So I was like, okay, White Vision, he's the real one now. Hex Vision, um, two things with him. One was where did he get vision's actual memories from because wanda doesn't have his memories so those had Mm. to have come i guess from the mind stone that lives inside her which was what she said when she created him because he had memories that she doesn't have um and so for him to pass those (laughs) to to the white vision it was like well that had to have come from somebody other than wanda um and then the other thought i had was if chalk vision is the real vision now and he has all these experiences and he feels all these things why did he not immediately go to the center of town and help her and his family get out of that situation rather than just like jet as he like, Ooh, yeah. I'm out and he's gone. I didn't understand that. So, I mean, obviously there's a reason for it. Yeah. He did fly out. Now I, I see we're all eager to, to jump in on this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Mr. E then we'll go to dynamite. Then we're going to go back to Mr. The professor X. Mr. E. You're, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I just like, to act, um, for the, you know, don't forget that, you know, vision, you know, to super water down is a, a computer, right? And so, like, memories and everything, like, you know, that Wanda might not have been a part of, stored on, you know, stored somewhere on his drive somewhere, right? And so he could have at the same time, you know, been like, here's some stuff that I've got and also allowed him to access what was going on, you know, beforehand. And then um, the other part of this is um you know we're talking about the vision the vision where you know if we think about it and what kind of touching on what we were talking before there at one point why does there only be one right there's you know there were two visions for some time in the hex area right they were yeah. both a vision whereas the replies like you know there can be only one and this is not um you know that, i don't think that's really the situation they kind of left it somewhere in the middle where there was two for a moment, but then they went on. Mm-hmm. Um, Dynamite, I think you were up next. Yeah. So as a, as a point of clarification, um, Hex Vision does not have um, many memories. He does not remember being an Avenger. Um, okay. So he, he, he actually only has, um, I, I think he has sort of like Wanda's version of events severely edited down. Like she's not going to, you know, she didn't like create him to know that he'd been murdered, et cetera. Um, and then his, I think his memories is sort of that emotional core from the soul stone, which I mean, we see when she's creating him, like there's that, like, there's those lines of like yellow sort of flying out of her, yeah. um, 
you know, in addition to all of sort of the red energy that she's throwing off. So like, there's something additional there that's happening um, that I think is allowing him to manifest in like a very complete sense and have that sort of emotional life with her that, that like is so clearly there um, that, and, you know, then ship a thesis thing, like, you know, the, the white vision or whatever he comes in he, you know, he has backups of those memories of being a part of the Avengers, but because of the lack of the soul stone, like he has none of that like emotional intelligence. Mm. And so like, maybe at some points, you know, in that scene where they, you know, have that sort of moment together and he says, you know, I am the vision, you know, maybe he's gaining some of that back or at least if not becoming emotional, because I suspect they'll want to draw that out a bit longer. Um, he at least will have access to some of his own memories and some of that memory. And that will help influence how he develops as a character. I mean, that's sort of the point of the, the ship of thesis thing is like, you know, is it the rot that makes it the real thing? You know, is it, is it sort of our experiences that shape us? And that gets obviously much more complicated when you're talking about a synthetic being that has, you know, regular backups of his memories. Yeah. So we still think there's more reconciling that uh, the vision has gone is going to have to do in in, in future um, uh, content, uh, Mister the Professor X. So just wanted to bring back um, one thing around um, whether whether something is real or a copy, right? Uh, the human body constant re- constantly replaces mm-hmm. its cells every seven years. Yeah, it's a good and, point. And, you know, at, at 44, I don't think I'm a copy of what I was when I was seven, right? So that there's continuity there. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring bring to the foreground is that Vision will work in much the same way as Ultron did, where Ultron, Ultron had many, many, many copies of himself, and he could download or send his consciousness, or there was his consciousness in each one of those, Right. So, it, you know, it's, it's, it's that ability to, because he's a digital being, right? He's sort of the, the software. It's not just the body. It's the, it's the software. It's the, it, it's, the, it's the coding almost, so to speak, that makes vision vision. Um, and finally, just to, just to think about, you know, this new vision, chalk, chalk vision has this programming, like shove, pro- likely, clumsily shoved into his brain. Right. And so he's like stuck there. He's got this programming to like kill the vision. And now he's the vision. So like that's screwing up with that programming. Then he's got all this other Wanda and this sort of chaos magic coursing through him. He's got the memories of vision, that realization that, wait a minute, I am vision. He's going to get a blue screen of death. (laughs) Right. And so I, and so there are theories out there that he's going somewhere to get that. To get his head straight. straight And and I'll also bring forward the genius, the genius bar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wakanda. Um, But there's also, you know, Marvel's also messing around with like memory lapse with Gamora's character coming back. Right. And and so like, um, so there's that issue also. So it sounds like they're getting really like sophisticated in the way they're thinking about grief and loss and memory. And like, how do you, rebuild your life. I want to touch on something you just said, Mr. The Professor X, and I'm going to ask this question to Jason um, Madrox. 
I wanted, I was going to ask, where did Vision go? Do we think he's off to Wakanda to to try to get some physical and mental reconciliation? Uh, I'm I'm going to say no to that. Like, I I don't think he's going to Wakanda, but I think he is probably going to, like, we we two things so one vision was still very much developing into some kind of of existence at the end of infinity war he was still kind of moving and becoming something something in reality entirely new and it it, and i found it to i find vision to be a fascinating character because he is really this interesting post-human character um his humanity is is something that he constructs and that he builds and that he was in the process of creating and he says it in at the end of um infinity war when they're going to take him to wakanda to have the 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 mind stone removed he's like i'm this i'm part this i'm part this like and if you take this away because remember he they'd gone to wakanda initially to to remove the the mind stone so that she could destroy it without killing vision and he he seemed confident that he could find a new existence um i think he's gonna go and just try to to find what makes him relatable to human what makes him different from human. And I don't think he'll find that in another lab. I think he's going to um, go wander the earth for a while and try to figure out, you know, where he fits in it because he is a, a, a singularly unique being there. There is nothing like him in the universe. So Scarlet Jen, please. I just, when you said that Jason, it made me think of, um, Who's the blue guy that goes and lives on Mars in Watchmen? Dr. Atomic? Uh, Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Right. I don't know why, but that was what I, that was. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a beautiful like synergy between where Dr. Manhattan is at the end of, of the Watchmen series and where we have this, this vision at now where he's become something mm-hmm. so, so unique and so, powerful so yeah yeah uh dynamite then mystery <laughs> so i think there's really only two places that uh the sort of newly reconstituted vision can go um he's going to be looking for answers um one place you might look for answers is in your creator so i think we might see ultron again just as a you know hey like i'm i've been working on being a person but like let's explore my more synthetic side and like what does that mean you know what what was the plan for me etc and you know who i mean all kinds of interesting storylines could come out of that certainly can i ask a question about that i mean ultron Ultron is gone right and tony tony stark is gone yeah but like ultron is never gone Okay. He's he's a he is like vision. He is a robot with programming. Okay. And in the comics at least, he's always got a backup somewhere. Okay. All right. So you that know. so we may see Ultron again. Okay. Sorry to cut you off, please. No, no, it's fine. It's yep. fine. So it's like, you know, there's that or bearing in mind, you know, his exposure to Wanda and magic. 
maybe he goes to talk to Dr. Strange as their sort of resident expert on like, you know, what happened? What am I? What's going on? Um, but my suspicion is that, you know, probably probably Ultron would be a more interesting, uh, mm. more interesting character beat for them to pursue and bring back as, you know, whether or not he's like the big evil guy for an entire movie or just like a subplot, whatever. It could be fun. Yeah. I mean, before we go to mystery, I'll just say if they do bring back Ultron, I hope it's in like a non like humanoid slash robotic manifestation. And it's like, it's something different and vision engages with Ultron in a different way. Like I don't want him to fight Ultron or like, you know, sit down to talk to Ultron and have it go bad. And then they're beating each other up or, you know, like I want, I really want them to do something different and interesting with whatever that looks like, just as a, like a, as a casual fan, like I've had enough of the Ultron that we saw running around in, Age well, of here's, Ultron. Here's here's my Marvel uh, pitch meeting for you. Yeah. What about Westworld, but with Vision? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, mis- all right, Mr. E, what were your thoughts? Uh, so I was just gonna say, like, you know, uh, to the point where where does he go? And like, I think I like you know the idea that everyone's like, oh, he's gonna go to Wakanda, but they think he's gonna go to like one place Wakanda. Like, I would think he would go to where you know Vision died in Infinity War. And they go there to contemplate like that's where like where do you go like all right when this big huge thing happened let me go there and like just be in that space but the other thing is also like uh and i forget who mentioned it earlier but in infinity war they're like yeah he's made up of he's a mix of tony stark he's bruce banner ultron the stone we don't know like what of ultron might have been left in infinity war vision was left in there so he could to your point he could go and he could have this inner um dialogue of some sort between whatever vision is now you know uh with the white vision now and whatever's left inside maybe of ultron and it could be like a whole inside my head thing where he's wrestling with that until he comes out with some either some reconciliation all right i want to talk about another character that i i don't want us i don't want us to um, get out of this conversation without discussing this a little bit because I think it ties into what might be ahead for Marvel in the MCU and the shows. Um, I'm thinking about the character of Pietro in WandaVision, right? And the choice to use the actor Evan Peters, who played the character Quicksilver, who is Wanda's brother in the X-Men movies. Now, I personally liked that version of Quicksilver better. Like, I like Evan Peters as an actor. Um, I thought I thought the effects were better in the X-Men for Quicksilver. Like, I just generally loved that character. And anytime he was on screen, I really enjoyed it. But um, Somebody here explained to me what this means, that they brought back Evan Peters to play Quicksilver or Pietro in this show. It was just the greatest gag they could possibly pull. You yeah. son of a That's bitch. Quicksilver right. isn't coming back. I'm okay. not saying that they won't necessarily keep him if we get a mutant crossover. I think that would be wise because I think he's popular. I think it's a good take on the character. It's a lot of fun. But like the fact that he's like what Ralph Boner, I think was his name. Yeah. And, like, and he's just like their dirtbag uncle. Yeah. 
and he's just like it was just like a great like funny bit that they got to work in and um you know i'm sure it i'm sure it sent a lot of fanboys and and fangirls on the internet just like salivating and going crazy on reddit or whatever but i think it was like a fun troll that doesn't necessarily rule out them doing something in the future with him uh, jason madrox what do you what do you think about this uh, I I I agree that it was as a as a longtime fan, like it was it was a wonderful practical joke, and Ralph Boner just I mean it hurt so good because I really I really thought and I and I know that based on like at least the acquisition of of Fox by Disney and their ability to utilize you know mutants in the main MCU. Um, we will see, we will see the return of the X-Men. And I think they, they, that version of Quicksilver is so beloved. Um, for me, I, I, I love him. I love him in the movies. Quicksilver, if you ever read like the nineties X, uh, X factor series, um, that Quicksilver shows up in to me, that's the quintessential, uh, he's, he's, there's this great scene in which they're doing like a debrief with a therapist and Quicksilver explains basically why he's an asshole. And he's like, you know, imagine the feeling you have when you're at Burger King and you're trying to place an order and the person behind the counter can't understand, I'm paraphrasing, mind you, can't understand a Whopper without cheese. Or you're at an ATM and the individual in front of you can't just can't seem to figure out how to enter their pin number correctly that general annoyance you feel at a world that moves too slow for you he's like that is my existence times a thousand fold and you would be upset if 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 you lived if you had to live like i do you would be upset too and it it was such a for me like being a, a nerdy kid sitting there reading comics and being like, wow, that's that I, I see like a depth to this character I've never seen before. Like I would love to see that portrayed on television or sorry, not on television, but in the MCU. But I also absolutely love what they did with him in the Fox universe. So like, I think we'll see him again. I think we, my, my question will be though, like how they, how they bring in, just that whole the whole myth mutant world i mean because it it plays such a, a an important role in in marvel comics from like 1964 on and yeah. so you know where and we've just been missing it it's been a giant hole so so at the very least this is a wink and a nod of some kind and a sig maybe even just a signal maybe not a a you know that a signal that the mutants are coming in some way, right? Um, Mr. The Professor X, what say you? Uh, you know, they're going to bring in mutants, but <laughs> the, the the one thing they've already brought in mutants, right? Uh, the, the one thing that Marvel does, uh, and we can get into a discussion between Marvel and DC later, but what Marvel does really well is subtle, right? And, and, and to Dynamite's point, this was like, ah, oh, here's your fucking mutants. <laughs> here's your fucking mutant, you know, crossover. There you go. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not what they're going to do. It, it, plus, uh, a speedster like, uh, you know, what's his face? Uh, that Max, the Maximoff twin is not nearly as powerful <laughs> as what they need 
for, you know, next phase villains, right? They need the Jean Greys. They need, you know, they need uh, Magneto. They need like really powerful mutants to show up and, and do some damage, not some like speedster. We're talking about outer space. Like what's this dude going to do in outer space or like across dimensions, <laughs> right. you know? So I think it's going to be much, much more subtle than that. That's interesting. Um, I just want to go around the table because this is. Oh, go ahead. Uh, sorry, um, I'm looking at the screen, Scarlet. Um, okay. Jen, go ahead. It's please. not a very insightful one, um, but uh, it it just it strikes me like when you you guys are talking about like how it's just a joke and whatever, and like, and I think about Agnes, and it's so weird. Like what what it evokes for me is Sabrina and the Teenage Witch in Archie comics. Like, and I don't even know why, but like, it's got that, like when I think about comic books, you know, like some of them are really hokey and then some of them are dark. And like, we were talking about this today after we watched Justice League, like how, you know, there was this like 1950s, 60s sentimentality to comics and it was all like, you know, really hokey kind of stuff. And Agnes feels that way. And like, so then this like whole gag with um, Evan Peter sort of felt in that same vein in a way. Yeah, uh, dynamite. <laughs> yeah, no. Everybody so I think I think that that's also sort of interesting because again, the, the episodes tended to be sort of internally consistent logically with mm-hmm. the show that they were aping, right? And so like all of that stuff, like Evan Peters being like sort of the douchey uncle, right? From the nineties, he was in right. the nineties, so, right? Yeah. So so right, like so they were in like a modern family the office crossover and like i mean you just had like that hilarious scene with uh vision sitting there and talking to the camera and then being like wait what am i even doing here yeah (laughs) like i just i loved that and i and i think that that in some ways sort of you know that that gives them an out right it's like they were just being consistent with the logic of the episode yeah like this is how the characters behaved or or did what they did yeah Um, it was just that and and they're free i think they're free outside of you know, WandaVision to right. have the characters behave however they would behave in like, let's say a movie context. Right. Like when they just had the Agnes reveal and it was like that whole scene at the end where she's wearing the hat and she's like stroking the bunny and like, it just, Oh, well it was me all along. And it was like, it was so cheesy. And like, yeah. I, I mean, I think, it. I think what, Mar- um, I think what Marvel never kind of lets you forget, right. Mm-hmm. Is that, a lot of, I mean, this stuff comes from comic books. Right, exactly. It's the DNA. It, it is the DNA of what they're doing. Uh, Mystery. I was just gonna say, like, um, with Agatha and the the, what, it, what do they call them in the show? Pietro, like the faux Pietro. Um, you know, when they do the Agatha, it was Agatha all along, and she's out there on the lawn, and she's like, you know, doing her fingers, and he's being controlled in the back. You know, you see like you know purple stuff going on at his back when he's talking to Wanda when he first shows up, right? But then at the towards the end where um, Monica takes off the necklace, something else happened. So like I don't I don't know if something was missed there or if they had intended to go in a different direction or something, but like it was odd that like she had to control him when he was like coming to the door, but then she also had, you know, had control of him with the necklace. Um, and I don't know if they ever actually said or kind of closed the door or maybe they left it a little open that maybe he is you know, a different Pietro because like they didn't really ever, we'd never seen anybody else controlled by an actual object mm-hmm. in that way before. Like she snaps off and she, even Monica was like, she controlled you with a necklace. There's something that didn't jive there. Mm. Continuity. 
of the story. Uh, Jason. Yeah, and I and I think that's really interesting because every other detail of Westview was was at very least touched by by the hex. And but for some reason, Ralph Boner in his upstairs like dude cave, he had his like a uh, a, a you know a, a headshot lying around, mm-hmm. and it was like this little room that Wanda didn't know about or wasn't able to affect, and it just it. I, I'm hoping there's something there. Um, but I, I wanted to say something about, you know, the idea of like the, the hokiness, um, like I personally, I find it's one of the things that I've always loved about Marvel comics is that they are very subversive and, you know, Marvel comics along with every other comic creator in 1954 adopted, you know, the comic, the comic code authority, which was Mm -hmm. an industry like regulated group from the the comic magazine association of america because at that point comic books were were there was going to be government regulation there was going to be censorship so they adopt the comic code authority as like a a a group of comic providers and and creators who will kind of self-censor the industry and marvel gets really like they have played with the rules of that and played with kind of the the boundaries of what they can get away with for forever i mean it's been part of their you know part of their storytelling since you i mean really 1964 when when stan lee puts out the x-men as a thinly veiled you know metaphor for racism in the in the the u.s we really start seeing them play with these things and so like even Agatha's song, which reads as very hokey, ends with her saying she murdered a puppy. Right. Like, and so, like, it's one of the things that I love about Marvel is is it's it's right there under the surface. It, you just have to kind of look for it. So, hmm. I want to keep on the theme of mutants for a second. I know some of us here have said that Wanda is a mutant, um, potentially. But what I learned from this show is that she's also potentially the subject of a 300-year-old prophecy, right? And how could she be a mute? Like, anybody have any insight into that? Like, um, because she was prophesized to come, and at least that's what Agatha was saying. And, And I'm curious, it seems like she's predestined to become the Scarlet Witch. So, anyone want to talk to that, Jason? Um, so I can tell you like her, her comic biography, which has been fucked with a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, so she's introduced, um, as part of the brotherhood of evil mutants, um, as an, as an X-Men antagonist, um, she's introduced her and Pietro, um, their kind of backstory is, uh, they're both mutants. They're rescued from a mob. Uh, they're they're at that point they believe that they are being raised by their biological parents, which were a, a, a couple of Romy um, uh, travelers um, who were murdered um, for not for raising mutants, but for being Romy, which is kind of beautiful. And they're rescued by Magneto, and so they they feel like they owe him a debt, and so they join up with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and they start. Um, 
kind of just being X-Men antagonists. Um, and then it's, they, I think it was a couple years later, really, really a short time. Stanley moves them over to like Captain America's quirky quintet. It was Captain America, um, Scarlet Witch, Pietro, Quicksilver, and Hawkeye as the new Avengers. So they they take all of their past Avengers and they they put three villains with Captain America and they're the new Avengers. Hmm. And at that point, they're still solidly mutants. And they go on like that um, well into like the 80s with, with the story that she is a mutant. And then um, I think it's Steve Englehart starts writing her with magical, with a magical component that she has some kind of magic that she can tap into. She meets up with Agatha Harkness. She starts training to, to control what's deemed chaos magic. Um, it would then be later um, around the um, Avengers disassembled series um, written by Bendis that uh, Stephen Strange says, like, there's no such thing as chaos magic. That's nonsense. She's an incredibly powerful mutant who's capable of warping reality. She doesn't understand it. She doesn't have control over it, but she, that's what this is. There's no such thing as chaos magic. Um, and then it would be, I think in 2015, Marvel writes a series called Axis in which um, she is it, essentially um, good guys become bad guys, bad guys become good guys. And it's introduced that she's actually not a mutant, that she is a purely magical creature. And hmm. um, and they do that in part because they wanted to utilize her in the MCU. And Fox at that point had rights to all of the mutant characters. So if they make her not a mutant anymore, it's actually hmm. it's, it's it's one of the great Marvel business things, like even outside of the comics. Like they didn't have the right to use these characters. The MCU is becoming more popular. Um, and so they launch like the X-Men versus the uh, Inhumans series, like uh, a kind of in battle between the Inhumans uh, who are mutant-esque and the X-Men. And they basically make like mutants irrelevant in their own. Co they like drive their comic sales of mutants into the dirt so that like they can devalue what fox owns so like it's it's wonderfully scandalous wow. so they turned her out they they say no she's not a mutant anymore so we could use her in the films so like mm -hmm. it, in the mcu like now that they have the rights to to utilize mutants i think there will be something that they say like the reason she survived the, these tests and the reason that she was able to do what none of our other test subjects could do is because of a mutant gene. And it was activated when she was a baby because it like either, either Tony Stark really sucks at making weapons, which we like, there's really no evidence of that. Like, or this one in this one moment, she alters probability using her mutant power to stop this bomb from going off. Mm, so, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Thank you. A dynamite. Yeah. So, you know, back to your point about like the, you know, the prophecy or whatever of her being the Scarlet Witch. I mean, you know, where is that originating? Who's that from? Uh, again, I think, I, I think to, um, you know, uh, the, the multiple ham uh, point. Uh, <laughs> you know, certainly, this could be a way to to backdoor mutants into the the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, if you want to get like real deep on, on like mutants and uh, inhumans and all the other stuff, you've got to go all the way back to the celestials who are only like vaguely hinted at in the movies. Those celestials are these basically godlike creatures created by um, Jack Kirby. Um, are those the ones that they're coming out with in the next movie? No, so this is the Eternals. The Eternals, the, okay. The Eternals are like, were also created by the Celestials. Uh, but the Eternals are intended to be the defenders of the Earth. They're they're sort of like godlike characters. They're they're probably closer to like an Asgardian as far as like power levels, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't they but, have? Wasn't Peter Quill's dad? Yeah, his father was, he was a god, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is why he could touch the Infinity Stone and not be like vaporized. Um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, the the idea being, you know, maybe maybe this is sort of the the celestials meddling, right? Like that they have intended that like billions of years of genetic evolution will lead to mutants being created, one of whom becomes the Scarlet Witch and then does whatever. You know, I, I mean, you know, the, the plot line starts getting really abstract at that point. But, um, you know, I, I think that could be an interesting character mm. beat that they, they could you know, certainly they've already got talk about the Eternals being a, a film like they're they're making it, I guess. Um, so who knows? Maybe maybe it'll be a tie in there. Yeah, you know, they're, they're quite good about doing their, their cross promotions. Uh, mystery. I was just say um, it could have also, you know, something of the, you know, the chaos magic or the Scarlet Witch that ilk could have been seen hundreds and hundreds of years ago because, you know, um, we had things way back in the past, like apocalypse has been around for like a long time. Right. And so like, you know, way back when people could have seen like, you know, some crazy shit go down with, you know, apocalypse level folks walking around on the earth and like, Oh my God, this happened, this happened. And so what is we're calling a prophecy now could have just been like, watch out for this. Cause you know, when this happens, things go really, really bad. And so they, we, you know, the earth might've in that universe might've already seen somebody of, you know, the scar, which is ilk and the capability to cause some you know, really bad stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. So her mutant status um, aside, when, when we, when, when we leave Wanda at the end of this show, where is she? Is she evil? Is she, I mean, she doesn't look like she's in a good place. Uh, Mr. The Professor X. I don't think that, that it would be fair to characterize um, Wanda as good or evil. I don't think it's that simple. Um, She's had a taste of family, right? And, you know, I think any one of us with, you know, would do anything for somebody, right? So put that somebody in, in danger and peril, then um, I'm sure that we'd be capable of doing all kinds of, immoral things right so if you're about to run my you know if someone's gonna you know um if a dog's gonna come and attack my kid and i'm driving my car i'm gonna run the dog over right so that's sort of an immoral thing but i did it for the good of my child so i don't think it's really about necessarily about um as clean cut as good or evil i think there's Mm -hmm. a great deal of ambiguity there Okay. I think she's. I think she's also at the beginning of a journey of self-discovery, and I think Vision is as well. And I think that's what's kind of fascinating about, you know, where these characters go next. 
I think, you know, we could see that's a really nice setup. Like you got two people on much different paths of self-discovery, you know, it'd be really interesting, you know, to see them, you know, come back together and, you know, either they are, you know, they identify and that unites them or like they're too different and they explode on each other. Like, Mm, night scrawler. Yeah, no, I think that it has a real potential to be tragic when they finally come back together again because they're going to be completely different people or beings or whatever it is. And I'm sure that all of that emotion is going to be super heightened. And yeah, there, there's no way that they'll ever be able to work again. It's just, it's destined to fail. And and they may even, you know, it may even come to like blows at some point because that's something that comics are famous for as well. And it would just be one of those really heartbreaking things I could see them throwing into, you know, either, uh, probably not another series, but definitely at least a movie though. I hadn't even contemplated yeah. that. Uh, Scarlet Jen, I just yeah. sort of assumed that they were going to go off and come back together. I'm going to fight you. You're going to fight me? Yeah. They yeah. still could. They <laughs> still could. Jason, I think Jason wanted to say something. Yeah. Um, Jason Madrox, the multiple ham, please. No, I think it's one of the things, again, that, that Marvel Marvel Comics has done well for years, but the, the MCU has done so beautifully is that it has introduced the idea that that evil and good they they, it it boils down to where you're at like when we look at like in the black panther movie uh warmonger like arguably had some really good points about how wakanda was being run whether you like it or lump it thanos when he's like People need to. I I've I've traveled the universe. I am a a universal citizen. The universe is finite, and its resources are on, only go so far. You know, we we see this again and again and again, where we have characters who who may embark on something that that arguably is is immoral, but their rationale behind it is 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 you you have to say they they have points mm-hmm. and with wanda we have this deeply deeply traumatized person you know she grew up in a war zone like she has you know her home country was destroyed because of tony stark's arrogance around you know what he could build and what he could do and you know she is she sacrificed the one person that she loved and had it taken back and then had to watch them die she lives through all of this stuff and you know what she does with that you know who knows who who knows how any of us would react and yeah. then you add the, the 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 abilities that she has on top of that and you you have a really sympathetic character um and just from you know a personal point of view, God, I hope there's a Vision versus Wanda throwdown. Like yeah. I said, I'm all about lights and colors. Less Gabby, more Stabby. Like let's mm-hmm. let's see these two go to, you know. And we know I come from a dysfunctional family, so parents <laughs> fighting is all I have. <laughs> and, and we know we know Wanda's gonna end up in the next Doctor Strange movie. I think we heard that, didn't we? Am I? Did I hear that right? I'm seeing some nods here. Um, it'll be interesting to see what 
I mean, presumably she's going to be on some kind of collision course with Doctor Strange as well. Um, I, I would guess, um, and maybe so, he's going to try to help her. Um, does anybody know if Benedict Cumberbatch has how many deals left in his movie contract? <laughs> oh man, I mean, because in the comics, I know she becomes Sorcerer Supreme at one point. Oh, ooh, that would be interesting. Mm. I think they now are standard, like going on for like they're signing for multiple deals at once, you know, like multiple pictures at once. Um, it's just, it's just standard yeah, I just didn't know if he was getting tired and was going to, I mean, like Chris Evans, like, you know, God bless the man. He did an amazing job and well, he bowed out. He did. And yeah. you know what? He, he did, earned but, it. He earned it. But he's coming but, back yeah. now. Yeah. Is he? Oh, thank God. I think for, I <laughs> yeah. think he's coming back in like a very limited context for mm. some of the shows. I think maybe. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, talk about, I mean, I don't know about you all, but when they were first announced the Captain America movies, I was real, the first one, I was really skeptical. And I went to go see that movie and I was just blown away by it. I was blown away by Chris Evans. Like, it just, what a, yeah. what, what a, what an on amazing. Paper, on paper, it should not have worked. No, but yeah. the, I mean, what an amazing, what an amazing character and performance. Um, I mean, it was great. Um, all right. Um, circling us back to WandaVision, anything you all are dying to, to talk about before we wrap up? Believe it or not, we're coming up on two hours here. Um, <laughs> I just I just wanted to say like how funny the show was and how amazing that it was that they were able to do that even in the early episodes when it's sort of like that corny 50s humor. Uh, but they still were able to like get laughs. Like, I, I mean, I, I legit laughed out loud at like some of the just like really dumb things like with like vision, like eating the gum or whatever. And I just thought it was like, I thought it was really neat that they were able to like within the context of the episode, still keep it funny and make it relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts or reflections about the show, Jason? Um, again, like I thought it was just along with being a really entertaining and exciting, like Marvel property to, to, to watch. It was just this beautiful love letter to, to American television and like, and the sitcom and the first couple episodes, my, my oldest son, he loves mash and he loves, I love Lucy. Absolutely loves Lucy. And this moment of like watching this and realizing that like these, these, these things endure for a reason, like they endure and they go on from generation to generation for a reason. And there's a real magic to it. And to watch Marvel and Disney, like really send it up and, and use it in that way that felt just like beautiful and like, really sweet was was to me just just kind of this this it it made me happy during the pandemic and not saying a lot <laughs> yeah scarlet jen any thoughts <laughs> you weren't expecting me to go to you i'll no, let you think about you it not, i was not um, expecting mystery mis please I was just gonna, um, sort of. I was thinking a little bit um, uh, along a single, uh, similar track as uh, Jason. Like 
the I mean, it was very good. You know, like I said at the beginning, like Marvel did a great show a job with the show, a streaming like that in that kind of format and that kind of approach. I think it set a bar for things like that to you know, for success in the future. Um, but I think it also, you know, the time that it came out and the time that it was viewed, I think uh, got greater exposure, maybe greater buy-in and certainly a whole lot of hype and involvement in other in like online engagement about something that was brand new. And I think, you know, that contributed to the success of it, you know, because there was so much like engagement theory, so much of that that I had not seen about other shows. And there's so much, and then there's like all the speculation for a whole week and then let's do what happens. And then all the speculation for a week and then all oh, let's do what happens. And I think that it would have been a, it was still been great. It was still been a wonderful show. But I think it was enhanced by the time that it came out. Yeah. It, viewership. It, it, and it made people happy. It was this thing that you could do. Mm-hmm. And just the time of it gave it a greater welcome. Yeah. And, and I and I love that, um, and especially with a comic book-based property, right? You have to wait for the next thing to come out, right? Like, I love that. And, and I know more streaming shows are doing that now. And I... I actually like really appreciate having a fucking thing to look forward to, like, yeah. and not having it all at my fingertips. Um, so, and I think it works really well with a comic book property. Um, Mr. The Professor X, please. Just wanted to echo how brilliantly Marvel has created these characters that one can empathize with, right? It, we've we've heard along along the last two hours, you know how they, you know how they how they create these stories, but with superheroes, right? That's this everyday thing, but with superheroes. I think someone mentioned that earlier. Um, and, and the it, this show didn't need a big baddie, right? It didn't need like this evil super being. Uh, arguably Agatha was that, but like, she wasn't like Thanos level, you know, baddie. Like we waited 12 years for Thanos or however long. And it was pretty in your face first with Loki and with the other guy, whomever, and with an invasion in New York. And then we had, you know, Ultron is this big baddie and even going back to Red Skull, right? We've always had like big baddies, but now the big baddie is like internal, Right. The, the idea of loss, the idea of sacrifice, you know, like things that people can really relate to. That's like inherently like a human experience, but with superheroes. Right. <laughs> well, how does that look like? And it's, yeah. it's, it's really, really exciting. That's to like see. the new hashtag, but yeah. with superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dynamite. Night Scrawler, what are your thoughts here as we're as we're heading out the door? Um, I, so I'm going to I'm going to miss the show. Like I already miss it. Um, and I have to say there's something about not having a single Marvel, Marvel movie all of last year. Like the last movie was far from home, right? And that was 2019. And mm-hmm. so we went all of 2020, all of what that was and what that meant with not a single Marvel production. And you kind of forget, like you forget how well they do it. And so having it missing black widow, you know, cause I'm not, you know, that, 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 you know, it's going to be good. They never really failed to deliver, but having that get pushed off and then having WandaVision show up at the beginning of this year, toward a, to the end of the pandemic, as things are going to start, there's hope happening. And we got that show and the way that it built 
and just kind of gave us a week to week. It was like the nicest kind of slide out of this shit storm of a year into all of the greatness that like Marvel can give us. And um, so I'm just, I missed the show and uh, I'm excited for uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And those are two other characters that I haven't had a lot of interest in. Uh, So, and I have watched the first episode already. I'm not going to say anything about it though, but um, I am, (laughs) I trust, I trust Marvel with what they do. And I like that we have another uh, bunch of weeks to look forward to leading into Black Widow, which I am forward to but yeah anyway i'm going to miss it yeah um and what i love what i love about the show right um and maybe even more so than the movies is how much it's drawn it goes a little bit to what you were saying night scrawler like it's keeping me engaged right with with this property and it's drawing it's drawing me in in terms of just like us at our you know our our old older years right like it's something you can watch as a family with your kids and like i mean but like as i'm reading they're just as excited as we get yeah they do and it's such excitement out of it and and i and i and i love the attention and love the creators have for the fans and all of the little easter eggs and i love watching the show then going online and reading about all of Mm -hmm. these things like oh they had a some kind of representation of the Mind Stone in the wallpaper or on the door. And well, that like, was the thing. Like when I went back and was, I was like, all right, I have to go watch yeah. Age of Ultron. And then we went down a rabbit hole watching a couple movies and like we all sat down and we're like, it all tied in. It's like you then you saw the plan. Like you didn't notice it when yeah. you're watching it, but you could see it watching back the movies. You're like, oh my God, they knew exactly where they were going. Yeah. They had a plan. It was well thought out, it was strategized. And if anything is going to get me back into a movie theater, it's going to be one of these goddamn Marvel movies, right? Like, that's what it's going to be. Like, um, all right. I want to see another, sorry, I want to see another, the Spider-Verse, the multi, oh my yeah. God, I fucking love that movie. Well, the next Spider-Man is going to be all, it's going to be a live action no, 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 Spider-Verse. No, 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 no I know, Stop. I know what you're saying. I liked the comic thing. That I know was you did. That was phenomenal, the music, yeah. everything about that movie was incredible. Yeah. I, I want to say they're working on one, Jeff. Yeah. yeah, we need more, we need more Miles Morales Spider-Man. No, and, and, I'm not and, even saying that, that character, no, I'm just I mean, saying that whole, the way. But we need him, uh, we need him in yes. that movie okay. yes, style, comma, yeah. semicolon, whatever. Like I love that genre feel that they evoked in that movie. I can tell you love it. The street arty kind of feel, like the. I just sorry. I'm gonna stop. You feel strongly. I do. I do. <laughs> I have like a certain aesthetic I like. No one's stepping <laughs> on your aesthetic. Um, it's Scarlet Jen. It's very, she's very specific. She's starting to glow. Uh, Should stop. I worry? All right, enough. All right, enough. All right, my my podcast Avengers. <laughs> Let me just say we we have spent over two hours together I'm backwards from sitting in this chair, and it, it has felt it has felt like four. But I will say no. I'm just kidding. It has felt like an hour to me. Um, I enjoyed I enjoyed hearing your expertise. I enjoyed discussing. WandaVision with you all. We'll have to do one at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I mean, I really want to do a Justice League one, but that's aside from the facts here. Um, Uh I'd love to be on a Justice League one. A quick point. Yes. A quick point about the Snyder Cut. I haven't seen it yet, but 
uh, some of the analysis that I was reading was, you know, talking about how, like, um, I was reading the root, right. And they were talking about how, like, they really screwed over the Cyclops character, right. Cause they like, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they cut like his whole backstory, all that yeah. stuff. And so like, that's, what's so smart about this, the Marvel TV strategy, right. Is like, you can move all of that stuff into the TV property. And then yeah. the movie is free to just be like a self-contained story without all of the, like, how do I set up all these characters? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. and again, that, that's a whole other conversation, right. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd love to do one. Yeah, we'll um, set up another panel. Okay. We'll set up a panel. Um, now, and, uh, Mr. The Professor X is not interested in that one. <laughs> so what I'm going to say, I want to, I want to, yeah. I want to thank you all individually. Okay. This will be quick. Scarlet Jen. Oh, always a great co-host always a great co-host <laughs> um night scrawler um thank you um appreciate you coming and sharing your thoughts um thank you everybody mr the professor x what can i say you always bring the knowledge the passion the long-winded explanations but we love them <laughs> thank you it was you. a nice job cutting me off i appreciate it <laughs> Jason Madrox, the multiple ham. The most creative name. The deep cuts. The very, very deep cuts. Very deep. They were very much appreciated. <laughs> and we loved them. And we love Look, you. Well, every, while everyone else was out, like, living their life, I was in my bedroom reading comic books. <laughs> and gosh darn it, it's finally paying off. So. <laughs> um Thank you for being here. We re- we really appreciate having you here and talking to you. Um, Mr. E, what can I say? <laughs> Except thank you. Um, your passion is infectious. I'm, I'm glad I can't catch it from here over the internet. It's so infectious. Thank you. All righty. Um, dynamite. An explosive contribution to the podcast. His debut. His debut on the Soft Serve podcast. You'll get one of those. That's a special honor. Um, the other, the other guests here um, may or may not attest to that. Now, Cy- saw Cyclops. What's your name again? Sawclops. Sawclops. Excellent job facilitating and moderating this panel this evening. Now. I'm going to retract my praise to you as a co-host because you forgot to thank Space Unicorn. Oh, she disappeared after two seconds. I did not forget. Space Unicorn, wherever you are, thank you. Now. She was was technically kicked out. No, she technically took the earbuds out of her ears and said, I'm Um, leaving now. Goodbye. uh, This this was a lot of fun. And I I love taking the back seat to a bunch of experts and Mm -hmm. passionate um, fans and and hearing you all share your thoughts. So, again, thank you to our listeners. I won't drag this on, although I feel tempted to because Stomping Jen, I mean, Scarlet Jen really wants to get out of here. Um, To our fans and our listeners, we love you. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, download, share with a friend, blah, blah, blah. And um, anything, is there some kind of Avengers podcast, Avengers shout we can do at the end? No. Uh, All right. No? No. All right. Well, we'll just say the thing. All right. Bye now. All right. um, Bye now. 
this world of ours, ever growing smaller, must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate. Those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity, and that the sources, scourges of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed by the binding force of mutual respect and love. I shall never cease to do what little I can to help the world advance along that road.